we've been in revival right here at First Pentecostal Church. We've been in a student revival, amen, with uh, brother and sister uh, Victor Jackson. What a great time we've had. Friday night, they had a service over at the Southwest Campus, and I think we had about four or five get the Holy Ghost over there. And then Saturday, they did some uh, canvassing and then had a service over on the Beachside Campus Saturday night. And this morning and tonight, we are delighted that they are with us. And uh, we're just going to continue to have revival. And we're excited about what God is doing among our young people. Amen. I'm excited about the revival of our youth. Amen. And what God is doing. In the midst of the world that you and I live, ladies and gentlemen, there is a generation coming up that is hungry for God. And it is a powerful thing. I'm glad that we've got a great group of students right here at First Pentecostal Church that are hungry for the moving of the Holy Ghost. We're delighted to have brother and sister uh, Jackson with us. Would you make evangelist Victor Jackson welcome at First Pentecostal. God bless you. We love you. Oh, somebody clap their hands unto the Lord one more time. If you're in expectation this morning, why don't you clap your hands unto the Lord? If you thank God for the miracles that have been happening, why don't you clap your hands, all ye people, and somebody shout unto the Lord with the voice of triumph. And Come on, if you're expecting for God to work on your behalf this morning, why don't you lift up your voice for another moment? Praise God, praise God. So good to be in the presence of the Lord with each and every one of you. And uh, I give honor to Bishop and Pastor Myers and their leadership and their impact, not only on this local church, but abroad and on uh, my wife and I's life with their kindness that's shown to us all the time. And uh, how many of you are thankful for the leadership that God has placed here in Palm Bay? Amen. Amen. You are blessed. And... Uh, it is such a privilege to be here, had the opportunity to get to preach to the young people uh, here on this uh, Friday and Saturday, and God did some great things. Give honor to my beautiful wife, Louisa, and our three-month-old son, and uh, I've been trying to keep up with them ever since, and um, I was telling the young people, I said, look, my wife before... Before we had our son, she said she wanted four kids. And so I was just like, <laughs> that's, that's, that's cute. That's awesome. But I said, well, you'll know after you have the first one how many you want. And I'm telling you, that was like the smoothest pregnancy that you could ever have, the smoothest birth you could ever have. And after she had the baby, she was like, I still want four. So please, y'all pray my strength in the Lord. And uh, matter of fact, honestly, I blame this all on Pastor Myers. Let me tell you why, because y'all might not remember, but two years ago, they put us in a hotel. And when we went in this hotel, there was a little baby carriage in there that he had for us that we weren't even expecting. And I got up, I said, look, y'all, I don't know what pastor is trying to say here. But we're trying to hold off, but the fruit of your labor, praise the Lord. I don't, 
<laughs> Amen. That, the prophetic word still works around here. Hallelujah. But we are blessed because of it, and uh, I'm so thankful for it. If you can open up your Bibles to the Gospel of Matthew chapter 14. Gospel of Matthew chapter 14 and verse 22. Um, once again, I can't reiterate enough, you know, just how thankful that we are for uh, the family here, the Meyer family, their connection with my bishop and my pastor uh, in Bellevue, Florida, just long-term friends and long-term connection, and I'm thankful for it. Gospel of Matthew chapter 14 and verse 22, if you have it, say amen. And straightway, Jesus constrained his disciples to get into a ship and to go before him unto the other side while he sent the multitudes away. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up into a mountain apart to pray. And when the evening was come, he was there alone. But the ship was now in the midst of the sea tossed with waves, for the wind was contrary. And in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them, walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a spirit. And they cried out for fear. But straightway Jesus spake unto them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me come unto thee on the water. And Jesus said, Come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried, saying, Lord, save me. Somebody say that this morning. Lord, save me. And immediately... Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him and said unto him, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? And when they were coming to the ship, the wind ceased. Last scripture. Then they that were in the ship came and worshipped him, saying, Of a truth, thou art the Son of God. I want to talk about that moment when Peter began to sink. And I want to talk about that moment when the disciples found themselves in a storm. And I just want to entitle this The Breaking Point. I am preaching to people here this morning that you're at the breaking point. And you are not disqualified from a breakthrough because you're at the breaking point. But you're actually validated and affirmed for your breakthrough because you're at the breaking point. And that's what I want to preach to you about this morning, The Breaking Point. Why don't you lay your Bibles down? Everyone close your eyes and lift up your hands unto God in expectation and ask the Holy Ghost to come down and touch you where you are. Lord Jesus, I thank you for these precious people that have gathered here. God, I thank you for every soul, every elder, every young person. God, from the oldest to the youngest, I thank you for the anointing that I feel in this place. I pray that you would preach into somebody's heart here. Give me the thoughts. Give me the words. I hide behind the cross. You must increase, Lord, and we must de decrease, God. We are expecting for your anointing to come down and touch every soul here. Lord, shake us, O oh Lord. Work on our behalf. Loose 
the breakthrough from the front to the back, God. Let the power of your spirit come down and touch every soul here this wonderful morning. In Jesus' name I pray. Somebody shout, in Jesus' name. Look at the person next to you and ask them, are you ready for your breakthrough? And if you can do that, clap your hands one more time unto the Lord. Hallelujah. And you may be seated in the presence of the Lord. The breaking point. I am preaching to people this morning that are at the breaking point. I am preaching to somebody under the sound of my voice that's been going through a dark valley worse than you can ever imagine. I'm preaching to somebody under the sound of my voice that's been hurting. I'm preaching to somebody that's been wondering, is God going to bring me out? Is God going to answer my prayer? Is God going to touch my family? I'm preaching to somebody here under the sound of my voice where it took all the strength in you here this morning to make it through those double doors. It took everything in you to put a smile on your face. And I know you look good. You got the nice jacket. You got the nice clothes, the nice skirt. But I see under that smile that there's a hurt inside of you uh, that's deeper than you can ever fathom. Uh, but I've come to preach to you. Uh, if you're at that low point, uh, it's time for you to rejoice. Uh, because it means there is a breakthrough uh, that is coming to overtake you uh, closer and faster than you can ever imagine. The Bible says that the enemy in the last days uh, would try to wear out the saints. Uh, and I'm preaching to people that are tired. Uh, I'm preaching to people that are fatigued. Uh, I'm preaching to people that you go home tired uh, and you wake up tired. Uh, you come to church tired uh, and you leave church tired. Uh, and that's because the enemy uh, has tried to wear you down uh, with the circumstances uh, of life. Uh, but it's time for you to laugh again. It's time for you to have joy again because it means there's something that is coming your way that is going to restore. The breaking point is defined as the moment of greatest strain at which someone or something gives way. The point at which a person, object, or structure collapses under stress or pressure. I'm preaching to people that have been getting ready to collapse under the stress and the pressure of life. I don't know where the money's coming from, preacher. I don't know if my family's gonna get out of this, preacher. I'm worried. I don't know if I have what it takes inside of me to overcome the present storm that I'm facing right now. That's why God told Jeremiah, he said, before I formed you in the belly, I 
knew you. God understood that Jeremiah would endure some trials. God understood that Jeremiah's message would be rejected. God understood that Jeremiah would have the lamentations and the weeping in the midnight hour. But God told Jeremiah, before you breathe your first breath, I've already given you the capacity to endure. I've already equipped you before you ever took your first I'm preaching to somebody you already got what it takes before the storm and trial ever even came your way oh I'm helping somebody here uh, you've already got what it takes, Jeremiah. Uh, I know your message is going to be rejected. Uh, I know you're going to have some sleepless nights. Uh, I know you're going to cry uh, like never before. Uh, but before I formed you in the womb, uh, I already knew you uh, and I already knew what was coming. Uh, that's why I could say uh, that I won't put more on you uh, than you can bear. Uh, I know your limit. Uh, and if you're going through it right now, you already have the capacity to bear it. And because if you can hold on while you're going through it, you're going to come out on the other side with more power and more anointing and more glory and more blessing than you could ever imagine. Oh, if you believe that, clap your hands unto the Lord. And I'm telling you, when the blessing comes, when the breakthrough comes, it's going to overtake you. It's going to make you understand that God is more. He has already overcome the world. The Bible says of Joseph that he had a dream, but the Bible says that he got backed up into the pit, and then he got backed up into Potiphar's house, and then he got backed up into the prison, but then he got backed up uh, into the palace. Uh, someone said it this way. Uh, what difference does it make if you walk into your dream or back up into it uh, as long as you get there? Uh, but you got to hear me. Uh, while he was in the palace, uh, he had a son named Manasseh. Uh, and that word Manasseh means God uh, hath made me to forget uh, all of the toil uh, of my father's house. Uh, Joseph reached such a state of blessing. Uh, Joseph reached such a state of blessing uh, and breakthrough uh, that he forgot the prison cell. Uh, he forgot uh, all the hell that he'd been through. Uh, he forgot uh, the tears that he cried because uh, the blessing uh, was just so great. Uh, he didn't even remember all the hell uh, that he went through. I'm preaching to somebody here this morning. The blessing's going to be so great in this church uh, that you're not even going to remember the pain that you went through because of the glory. Oh, if you believe that, somebody clap your hands. If you believe that, somebody lift up your voice right now. You're going to forget it. You're going to forget the pain. You're going to forget the trouble. You're going to forget the trial. You're going to forget the valley. Because the breakthrough is going to be so great. Somebody shout, yes. Now, now I can already fill it up here while I've been preaching. There's people saying in their spirit, Brother Jackson, I've heard it before. Darkness still came even after I heard similar things like this before. And 
There's people struggling because it's struggling to tap in to what I'm preaching about this morning because there's a spirit of condemnation hanging over you right now. It's amazing to me that the only Satan, Lucifer, the devil, is the only person that condemns you for coming to church and condemns you for not coming. He beats you up when you come, and he beats you up when you don't come. You come to God, you come to the altar, you put your application into God for a breakthrough. God, here's my application, I want a breakthrough. But then Satan comes, the one that invented the background check. Here's what you did yesterday. Here's what you did last week. And don't get me started on what you did two years ago. And he condemns you and he says, you're not qualified for a breakthrough. It's for those perfect people next to you, but nobody knows the the demons that you deal with daily. That's for the perfect person. That's for the person that's got it all together, the person that has all their ducks in a row, but you, you're not qualified. And all of a sudden, as we cried and put in our application to God for her breakthrough, When Satan brings the condemnation, all of a sudden now the tears dry up. And now we don't come up front anymore to come and pray because we say, what's the use? I'm a no good nobody. What's the use? I'm already condemned. And we get further and further from the altar. Now you begin to fade in the shadows. You begin to fade in the crowd. You back up more and more because you feel so condemned. You don't even want to go and pray anymore because it's what's the use. God can't ever do anything in me. God can never touch me. God can never bless me and give me a breakthrough with everything that I've gone through in my life. And he backs you up so much till finally he backs you up out of the church where you don't even come anymore because you feel so condemned every time you come to church but you finally go home and you don't come and you think that you've escaped the condemnation and Satan comes sit right next to you on your couch and this is what he says hypocrite look at you You're at home miserable, and they're all at church happy. And he condemns you for coming to church, and he condemns you for not coming. The best thing to do is say, shut up, devil. I'm going to go to church. You're just trying to talk me out right before the breakthrough is unlocked. 
Somebody needs to close the mouth of the enemy and say, I'm going to trust God because you're just trying to talk me out. He's fighting you because of the fear that he has of you. He's fighting you because he's so afraid of what would happen if you stood up on your feet and said, God made me for more. God's called me for something greater. And forget my past, forgetting those things which are behind. I'm reaching forth unto those things which are before. Oh, somebody clap their hands unto God. the condemnation to keep you there tied to your seat because he's afraid of what will happen if you get up he's afraid of what will happen if you come to the altar again he's afraid of what will happen if you come to the altar feeling the power of the Holy Ghost he's afraid of what will happen when you finally obey and get baptized and buried in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ he's so afraid so he'll try to condemn you with everything he can to keep you from taking the next step oh I told somebody a while back that when you're in the world and you're struggling Satan is afraid of your future but when you're in the church Satan is afraid of your past what do you mean, Brother Jackson? He's afraid of your testimony. He's afraid of what you came out of when you get in church. And he's afraid that you're going to start telling somebody about what God delivered you out of in your past. And if he did it for me, that he'll do it for you. So if you're a saint, don't stop sharing your testimony because Satan is afraid of it. And if you're in the world, it's time for you to get a glimpse of your future and go down in the name. Lift up your hands and get a touch of the Holy Ghost. Uh, somebody here, you've been at the breaking point uh, that the disciples found themselves in. Uh, in the text that I read to you right before, uh, the Bible says that John the Baptist uh, had just died. Uh, John the Baptist, uh, he was just beheaded. Ah, uh, uh, John was the one uh, that was the voice crying out in the wilderness. Uh, John was the one that said, behold, uh, the Lamb of God. Uh, John was the one that had so much power. Uh, the Bible says he didn't work one miracle, uh, but he had a voice voice uh, and that voice brought hundreds out of the city uh, into the wilderness uh, to hear the sweet word uh, of God. Uh, there was such an anointing on John uh, where it caused people to come uh, and repent. Uh, they didn't ask him for a sign. Uh, they mused in their hearts uh, whether he was the Messiah uh, or not. Uh, they saw the unction uh, upon him. Uh, they saw the passion uh, and the conviction uh, that he preached 
preached with. And John was so great that disciples, that they came to him. But now he began to condemn Herodias' adultery. He began to condemn now. He's cast into King Herod's prison. And King Herod has his daughter-in-law, Salome, come and dance before him. And the Bible says that that dance pleased him so much. He said, I'm going to give you up to the half of my kingdom. Uh, and she said, I want John the Baptist's head in uh, a charger. Uh, and King Herod, he was sorrowful, uh, but he had to do it because his word uh, had already gone forth. Uh, now John, uh, who they had trusted in, uh, who they thought that they would have forever, John, uh, he's gone off the scene in his prime. Uh, he's gone never to return beheaded. Uh, and the disciples, they came uh, to bury him. Uh, and they began to struggle on the inside. Uh, they're having an emotional breakdown uh, because John's gone uh, and we thought he'd be here longer. Uh, is Jesus uh, going to leave us too? Uh, the questions came in their mind uh, because someone close to them uh, had died. Uh, a relative uh, that they had trusted in now uh, was never to come uh, again. Uh, and they're breaking on the inside. Uh, they're trying to smile but they're hurting uh, he's gone uh, is Jesus uh, gonna leave us too uh, and as they're hurting inside uh, and as they're struggling inside uh, uh, the Bible says that Jesus tried to calm their fears uh, by giving them the miracle uh, of the loaves and fishes feeding the 5,000 uh, but the Bible says uh, that the disciples hearts uh, were hardened uh, and they considered not the miracle of the loaves and fishes uh, how many of you know uh, that when you go through something, uh, your heart uh, gets hardened. Uh, the song that used to make you cry, now you fold your arms. Uh, the preaching that used to get you on your knees, uh, now you don't want to hear it anymore because uh, you've been hurting so long uh, and you've been, been going through a trial uh, so long uh, that you are so hardened uh, by the circumstances of life. Uh, oh, uh, I'm preaching to somebody right now. Uh, it's I'm, 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 about to, I'm about to preach the hardness off of somebody. Uh, I'm about to preach the hardened heart off of somebody because you've been in a long trial. And at that low point, when they're already doing everything they can to hold on, at that low point, the Bible says, and straightway. Verse 22. And straightway. Jesus constrained his disciples to get into a ship and to go before him unto the other side while he sent the multitudes away. At their low point, at their hurting point, when they're trying to process the death of John the Baptist, at that point, the Bible says Jesus straightway constrained that word constrained means to strongly compel. It means to necessitate. He said it's necessary for you to get into this ship. Now why would Jesus constrain his disciples to get into a ship when he knew that a storm was coming? I said he knew there was a storm coming. He knew there was a storm coming. And yet, 
He constrains them to get there. Why would he do that? Here's why. It was because there was a revelation in the storm that they could not get anywhere else. There was a breakthrough in the storm that they could not get on the seashores of peace. And they could not get it on the mountaintop of success. He said, if you're ever going to get a revelation of me, it's not going to be when everything's going good. It's going to be in a stop. So God is saying, don't beat me up when I bring you into the place to give you the anointing that you've been praying for. You're the one that prayed for revival, not getting to the ship. You're the one that prayed for the anointing, not getting to the ship. You're the one that wanted the backsliders to come home, not getting to the ship. Now don't beat me up when I bring you into the place where the anointing and the glory and the power... Don't beat me up. You're the one that wanted to go to the next dimension. So don't beat me up when I constrain you into a ship, when I bring you into a storm. See, Satan tries to use your storm against you to make you jump ship. But God uses your storm for you to posture you and catapult you into the next level. And I'm preaching to somebody right now. If you can hold on in the storm, you're going to come out faster than you went. the one that wanted that. Now don't beat me up when I give it to you, Job. Job, you're the one that wanted the double blessing. You just don't like how the double blessing is going to come. Sometimes when we pray prayers, we already envision how God's going to answer it. And we think it's going to come out the front door. But sometimes the answer sneaks up on you on the back door. Where you turn around, my God, look what the Lord has done. I didn't see it before. But after I came out, I see that God was on my side the whole time. If I'm helping somebody, wave a hand at me if I'm helping you here. Hear me, somebody. I've come uh, to tell you, Job, uh, you're the one that wanted the double blessing. Uh, and Job didn't hear the voice of God. Uh, after 38 chapters, he'd been through hell on earth, uh, and he lost everything. Uh, and 38 chapters, the voice of God uh, is silent. Uh, but finally, in the 38th chapter, uh, the Bible says uh, that the Lord answered Job uh, out of a whirlwind. Uh, that word whirlwind in the Hebrew, uh, it means a storm. Sometimes God's best answers come out of a storm. Sometimes the greatest revelations come out of a storm. Sometimes you will not get a revelation that you never got until you go through what you've never gone through. But I promise you, when you get this revelation, you're going to thank God for every storm that came your way. Don't beat me up. The Spirit even drove Jesus into the wilderness. The Bible 
Bible says when Jesus came on the scene in Mark, scene on Mark 1, the Bible says that the voice spake out of heaven and said, this is my beloved son and whom I am well pleased. Next verse. And immediately the spirit driveth him into the wilderness. Sometimes the spirit will drive you into a rough place when he's pleased with you. Sometimes the spirit will drive you into a wilderness of isolation and loneliness and frustration and God says I'm pleased with you. You may not feel my presence yet, but I'm pleased with you. You may be going through a dark valley, but I'm pleased with you. You're still my beloved and only the privileged go there. It was disciples that went into the storm, not the crowd. Only the chosen go there. I'm helping somebody here. Only the chosen go there. Isn't it amazing to me that it's amazing to me that the people that God loves the most are the ones that go through the most. Everybody's looking at me like, man, I'm preaching out of the Koran or something this morning. Praise God. <laughs> Amen. Jesus went to Lazarus' home in Bethany often. But the Bible says that Lazarus was now sick unto death. And he waited. And John tells us in the 11th chapter, look what he says. He says, now Jesus loved Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. It was his love that took him in his trial. It was, but it was his love that got him out of his trial. And the love of God will not take you into what it does not intend to bring you out of. What do you mean it was his love that brought him in? The Bible says uh, that, that Jesus said uh, that this sickness is not unto death. He said, Lazarus is dead. Watch this. Uh, and I am glad for your sakes uh, because uh, when you see this resurrection, uh, there's more people that are going to believe on me uh, uh, because of what Lazarus went through. Uh, and when Lazarus was in the house of Bethany uh, and after he was resurrected uh, and Jesus was there, uh, the Bible says that the people didn't come to see Jesus. Uh, they came to see Lazarus. Uh, but the Bible says when they came to see Lazarus, uh, that they believed on Jesus. before him unto the other side while he sent the multitudes away. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up into a mountain apart to pray. And when the evening was come, he was there alone. But the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with waves, for the wind was contrary. Now this is amazing to me. Brother, come help me out. Come on. You. Yeah, come on. You, the sharp bow tie. Amen. Yeah. Hold on. You should stay right there for a second. Now, folks, this is amazing to me. Because Jesus constrains them to get on the ship. He said, you get over here. You're the one that wants. You want the anointing. You feel cold. You get on. You get in the ship. You wanted it here. And they get on the ship. And as soon as they get on the ship, Jesus steps out. 
good luck. They obeyed the voice of God. And it seems like things are getting harder. I'm helping somebody here. Things are getting harder. You're trying to do right, but it feels like it's harder. Obey the voice of God. And now they're in a ship. And Jesus is not on there with them. And they obeyed his voice, but they feel more alone than they've ever been. And now, Peter's on this ship. And the Bible says that he's being tossed to and fro with the waves. And the storm clouds hover over him as the rain pierces his cheek and pierces his arms, it pierces his face as he's struggling to hold on and he sees Jesus off in the distance getting further away from him and he's thinking to himself did I leave everything for this I left the fishing boat I left everything I left all my living to serve God did I leave it to this moment to be by myself in a storm feel the Holy Ghost here. But hold on, Peter. Because you're going to come out of this storm with a revelation. Hold on, Peter. Because you're going to come out of this storm with the power and with the anointing. Hold on, Peter. Because it's going to be worth it. You just got to hold on. Even when you don't know what else to do, just hold on. Because Jesus is going to come sooner. Somebody clap your hands to the Lord. Amen. And they're being tossed in the waves. They almost go over, but they hold on. They almost go over and they but they hold on. They just kept holding on. The Bible says that the ship was in the midst of the sea. Everyone say the midst. It was in the middle of the sea. The middle of the sea. In other words, what do you mean, Brother Jackson? It means they they cannot go back or reach the shore that they came from. And they can't see or reach the shore that they know they're destined to. Woo! They can't Make it plain, Brother Jackson. They can't re <coughs> remember the good that God has done in the past. And they can't see any good down there in the future. And they're holding on for dear life in a rough present. And the Bible says that the winds were contrary. The winds were coming from in front of. It was contrary to everything they believed God to be. It was contrary huh, to their purpose and their destiny. Huh? And one text says, when it says this same storm in Mark, huh, the Bible says that they were toiling all night. Huh? They were rowing all night. Huh? They were rowing harder than they ever rowed and going nowhere. 
working overtime, still behind on the rent. I'm preaching to some real folk this morning. Come on, somebody. Working overtime, still behind. Doing more, seemingly getting less. Toiling all night. Praying more, seemingly nothing's happening. Fasting more, seeming nothing's happening. Feeling stagnant like never before. But when there's nothing else to do, just hold on and stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. <laughs> the wind was contrary. Watch this. And then the fourth watch of the night, fourth watch is anywhere from 3 to 6 a.m. in the morning. Jesus went unto them walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled saying, it is a spirit. And they cried out for fear. That word spirit is what the Greeks used to describe the word hallucination. They began to hallucinate in the storm. And when you hallucinate, you just start saying crazy things. I don't think God loves me. But you know that that's not true. I don't know if the church even cares about me. But you know that that's not true. But you've just been in a storm a long time. And those that always build you out, they're nowhere to be found. Woo! Because God is teaching you something. The person you all used to always call when you're behind on the light bill. You can always call up, hey, hey, Fred, man, I need you, bud. Uh, I'm behind on the light. Oh, and they're like, oh, yeah, fine, man, I'd love to do it. Here you go. Here you go. Here all the time. But now when you're in a storm and you need them more than ever now, you call them, Fred, I need you. They're like, what you calling me for? Oh, hold on. Is this the same person? No, but God has a way of withdrawing resources from you. To force you on your knees in prayer so you can get the revelation. They began to hallucinate and they cried out for fear. I'm preaching to people that have been fearful. And look what the Bible says at their low point. But straightway, Jesus spake unto them saying, be of good cheer. It is I. Be not afraid. Now, folks, this is one of the toughest scriptures for me. This is tough uh, because it, 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 it's just tough because I'm struggling for dear life. I'm doing the best that I can. I'm hurting like never before. And Jesus' first words to me are, be happy. <laughs> be of good cheer. I'm holding on for dear life. I'm about to jump ship. And I'm expecting Jesus to be like, man, you barely made it. I'm so proud of you. I can't believe it, man. <laughs> You're amazing, dude. And look what he goes, though. Be happy. <laughs> Jesus. Anybody know people like that? No matter what you're going through, God's for you. Oh! I know God is for me, but I just need you to get in my pity party for a moment and cry with me. 
I'm crashing somebody's pity party this morning. Somebody's like, preacher, I just wanted to cry a little bit longer. Thank you. And you're talking about all this breakthrough stuff. Woo. Anybody know people like that? No, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. Oh. I want people. Let's get thankful for people like that. People should be like, I don't know, brother. <laughs> But Jesus is smiling in their storm. And if that doesn't make you want to run a lap around the building, another storm, the Bible says he was sleeping. How comforting is it that Jesus is either smiling or sleeping in your storm? But he's smiling because he sees the end result of the storm. He's smiling because he sees what you become after the storm. He's smiling because he sees you've held on this long. Now you better get ready for what's coming. He's smiling because they don't even realize the anointing that's going to come whenever they get out of this thing. Amen. Amen. Look what he says. Be of good cheer. And let me tell you something. For all those, let me tell you, I preach with a timer. I've been right at 35 minutes. Uh, this thing should be closed by 40, amen? We're good? Y'all still love Brother Jackson? <laughs> Praise God. I feel good here, hallelujah. Feel at home. Amen. <laughs> it says, be of good cheer. Why? Why should I be happy? Look what it says. It is I. Oh, can I preach that for a second? Those three words, it is I, is literally translated in the Greek as two words. I am. Be happy. Why? Because I am. I am your present help in the time of trouble. I am your refuge in the midst of despair. I am your rock in the middle of the storm. So it's time for you to be happy because I am. And you know what Jesus was saying there, right? He was telling them that I am the one God that gave you the Ten Commandments. I am the God that anointed Moses and split the Red Sea. I am the God that helped you cross over the Jordan River. I am the God that gave you the promised land. I am Jehovah in the flesh right now in the middle of your storm. Come on, I am Jehovah Raphna, the Lord your healer, and I'm here in the flesh in your storm. I am Jehovah Nisi, the Lord your victory in the flesh right here in your storm. I am that one single God in the flesh. Right smack dab in the middle of your storm. He reveals to them that he is the one God in the flesh in their storm. They wanted a deeper dimension. Okay, let me show you where it's at. And they found out that it was God Almighty. 
the one, the creator of heaven and earth, that came down and robed himself in flesh, left the splendors in the heaven, the walls of Jasper, the pearly gates, and humbled himself in the form of a servant. And he reveals to them that he is that I am in the storm. And he says, be not afraid. Now watch this. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me to come on the water. Everyone say, Lord. Lord. That word, Lord, is the word curious, which was what they used to describe the name Jehovah, which is the name of the one God of the Old Testament. Ooh. So Peter answered him and said, Lord, Jehovah, Jehovah, if it's really you, if you're really the one God that I was raised serving, if you're really the one God of the Judaism religion, if you're really the one God that I've served all my life, if you're really that one God, bid me to come unto you on the water. Jehovah. And look, Jesus said, come. I've got nothing to hide. Come, find out for yourself. Watch this. When Peter was come down out of the water, he come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried, saying, Lord, save me. Watch this, folks. Peter, at this time in the text, all of the disciples, watch this, all of the disciples, they, not one of the original 12 disciples, and you can go read it through scriptures, history, whatever you want. Not one of the original 12 disciples, not one of them were blind, not one of them were deaf. Not one of them had leprosy. All they did, watch this, was forsake their former lifestyle or forsake the fishermen, the tax collectors, forsake their businesses to follow him. Watch this. And they saw him heal. But they had yet to experience healing for themselves. The closest healing came to the original 12 disciples was when Peter's mother-in-law was cured of a fever. So the disciples had the knowledge of him being their healer, but they had yet to experience healing for themselves. And see, it's one thing to say, I know God's a healer, and I know that's true. You do know he's a healer. But it's another thing when you get sick in your body, because I don't just know he's a healer anymore. He has healed my body and I've experienced the healing for myself. Watch this. And it's because I went through a storm. So the storm is the bridge from knowledge to experience. The storm is the mediator between knowledge to experience. The storm forces you to put into action what you already know. And so Peter gets discontent to be on the ship of knowledge where all the disciples are. And he says, I want to step out into experience with you. But when he saw the wind boisterous, the powerful winds, he was afraid. Everyone stand with me. When he saw the powerful winds, he was afraid and beginning to sink, he cried saying, Lord, save me. That word sink means he began to drown. The last words that Peter cries before he goes on the water are these. Lord, save me. That word, Lord, again, is translated as Jehovah. Peter's last words before he goes on the water are these, Jehovah, save me. 
and Jehovah, who has become our salvation. Jesus Christ, which is what his name means, immediately stretched out his hand and caught him. And when Peter came out of that water, his eyes opened wide because he got a revelation of Jesus huh, that nobody ever had before. That's why two chapters later he could say, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. But I said all that in my message to say this point here. Sometimes you don't always fly into a breakthrough. Sometimes you sink into it. Peter sank himself into a revelation. He sank himself into a next dimension. See, some of y'all think I got to be super perfect. I got I to gotta pray 24-7. I've got to fast 24-7 to get a breakthrough from the Lord. But God is saying, no, the breakthrough is in the low points. It's when you don't know what to do. It's when you don't know where to go. That's how you unlock a greater dimension of who Jesus is. I want everyone to come forward clapping your hands unto the Lord. I'll give you instruction in a moment. But I want everyone to come forward clapping your hands unto the Lord. Come on. Move in as close as you can. Come on. That's it, everyone. Come up. Come up clapping your hands unto the Lord. I'll give you instruction in a moment. Come on. Clap those hands with rejoicing unto God. Come on. Just clap those hands. That's it. Don't talk to the person next to you. You just come forward and you clap your hands unto God. Come on, you clap your hands like you know you're about to come out. You clap your hands like you know God's about to loose the breakthrough. You clap your hands like you know that God's on your side. Move in as close as you can and clap those hands unto God. Hallelujah, Jesus. That's it, clap those hands unto God. That's it, clap them with expectation. Clap them with love and commitment. Clap them with thanksgiving. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hear me. Hear me right now. Hear me. After Peter got the revelation that God wanted him to get in the storm, Jesus said this, O thou of little faith, wherefore dost thou doubt? Watch this. And when they were coming to the ship, the wind ceased. Once you get the understanding and revelation of why God had you in that situation, you're on your way out. Because those winds are going to immediately cease and it's going to be over. So here's the question. What has God been teaching you? in your storm. Not every storm comes from God, but let me tell you something, God can get the glory out of every storm. So what, what has God been teaching you in your storm? Has he been teaching you to be more dependent on him? Has he been teaching you that you can't go through life alone by yourself, Miss and Mr. Independent? What has God been teaching you in your storm.
and the winds immediately ceased and watch this and when they came on the ship they came and worshiped him and those that did not step out into an experience but got on their knees and worshiped jesus and said of a truth thou art the son of god what if i told you that your storm is tied to somebody else's revelation of who jesus is What if I told you that you've got lost family members and lost friends and lost co-workers that, are, that see you going through, but because when they see you hold on, they're going to come back and say, look, only God could have brought them out of that one. So somebody else that's in the ship that doesn't even have an experience with Jesus, they're relying on you to just keep holding on. Because they're going to get a revelation because they've watched you hold on in the midst of the storm. Mm. Mm -mm -mm. Satan has tried to destroy the Veleys and Billy Jake Owens with that storm to make them jump ship but they held on and trusted God and God began to turn that situation around and they would have never got the witness to those doctors and those cardiologists except they held on in the middle Somewhere down the road, that cardiologist is going to call you, Pastor, and say, i got to repent of my sins because I saw how they held on, and it had to be God that brought them through. So God has been teaching us something in this storm. And so anybody, have you ever made a mistake in the storm? We're going to ask God right now. We're going to ask God to wash us and to cleanse us and reveal to us what he wants to reveal to us in this situation that we're in. We're going to ask God to forgive us for all of our sins. Everyone say repentance. The Bible says every person is commanded to repent. Repentance is saying, God, I'm sorry for my sins. And God, I turn away from my sins. I turn away from my present condition. And I turn my heart and my mind and my soul to you right now, God. I'm nothing without you. And as you begin to repent, God will start cleansing you. And he'll start revealing to you things, weaknesses inside of you that he's wanting to take care of. But we've got to be committed right now. This is the most important part of this service, that we ask God to cleanse us from all our sins. And this preacher holding this mic, I'm not better than any person here. I've got to repent just as much as you do. So while you're repenting, I'm going to ask God to forgive me of all my sins. And you've got to open your mouth unto God. I don't want anyone in here to start meditating. I don't want you to meditate. Meditation has a time and its place in private devotion. But in this atmosphere, I'll, you don't have to name your sins, but I do want you to ask him to forgive you of all of your sins here this morning. 
And I'm telling you, God's going to start revealing things to you. And I'm telling you, when we're done, I'm telling you, something's going to be loosed in this atmosphere. It's going to change your life forever. But I'm telling you, this is the most important thing. You do your part, and God's going to do his part. I want everyone to close your eyes and lift up those hands unto the Lord. And let's ask God to cleanse us from our sins. Lord Jesus, come on, that's it. Talk to him. God, I ask you to cleanse me. I ask you to wash me. God, I'm sorry for everything that I've done. I'm sorry for every mistake that I've made. God, I'm sorry for the mistakes that I've made in my situation and in my storm, God. Lord, I'm sorry, Jesus, for all that you've done. Oh, for all that I've done, God. I'm asking you to cleanse me. I'm asking you to wash me. God, I'm asking you to cleanse my thoughts, God. Lord, reveal to me, Jesus, what you want to reveal to me. God, give me understanding how you want to give me understanding. God, I ask you to wash me and I ask you to cleanse me. I'm sorry for every mistake. I'm sorry for everything that I've done. I'm asking you to wash me. Come on, that's it. Talk to him. You got to talk to him. God, I'm asking you to take away every sin in my life. God, I need you more than anything. I can't do it all alone. I can't be independent alone, Jesus. I need you. I need to rely on you. I need your spirit. I need your touch. I need the Holy Ghost to change me, Jesus. I need the Holy Ghost to wash me, Jesus. I'm asking you to cleanse me. Come on. That's it. Talk to him right now. Come on. You got to talk to him right now. That's it. Open up your mouth and talk to him. Come on. Lift up your voice and talk. God, I'm asking you to cleanse me right now. I'm asking you to wash me right now. I'm asking you to help me right now. I can't do it alone, Jesus. I can't do it alone. 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 Cleanse me, Jesus. Cleanse me, Jesus. Wash me, Jesus. Wash me, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Ila mokora masala la la mokoshaya. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. That's it. I hear your heart crying out to God right now. I'm telling you, somebody's going to come out today, but you got to make your heart right here this morning. You've got to get your heart right here this morning. God, I want you more than anything, Jesus. I need your spirit to help me. I need you to touch me, God. I can't do it without you. Oh, in the name of Jesus. 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 Hear me. Hear me, that's it. I can feel your heartbeat in this pulpit here tonight of your sincerity, your sincere hunger for God. Now let me tell you what's about to happen here. Because you've committed some things to God, because God's begun to reveal some things to you of why you're, why you're in your situation, I'm telling you here this morning that God is about to loose a breakthrough over this congregation. And some people are going to come out of that storm with power. If you've had a sickness or a pain in your body, God is about to miraculously touch somebody here this morning, never to be the same. If you don't have the gift of the Holy Ghost evidence by speaking in other tongues, God is about to fill you with the gift of the Holy Ghost. I'm telling you, there's going to be such a breakthrough. And after this breakthrough, I'm telling you,
There's people in here that God has been convicting you about getting baptized and getting rebaptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm telling you, after this breakthrough sweeps over here, I would not delay. I try to come find pastor, find an altar worker, and I'm telling you, I would tell him, just bring me down in the name. And when you come out of that water, your eyes are going to open just like Peter's did. With a revelation that his grace is sufficient for you. I want you to grab the person's hand next to you right now. I want you to grab the person's hand next to you right now. Everybody look at me right now. We're just going to get in one mind and one accord. Oh, such precious and such hungry people here this morning. I feel your hunger right now. And I'm telling you, the Holy Ghost is about to lose something upon you. I'm going to pray over you here right now. Folks, I'm going to pray over you in the name of Jesus. And look, hear me. I'm going to loose miracles in your life. For those of you that have not received the gift of the Holy Ghost, I'm going to loose the power of the Holy Ghost over you. I'm going to loose the blessings. I'm going to loose the breakthroughs over you. And when I'm done praying over you, a sincere prayer of, of integrity and sincerity, when I pray over you, when I'm done I'm going to shout to the top of my lungs with a shout of triumph. I'm going to shout these words, hallelujah. Everyone say hallelujah. hallelujah. Say it louder. Hallelujah. Folks, let me tell you something. When I shout hallelujah, when I'm done praying, I want you to shout hallelujah with everything in you. And folks, when you shout hallelujah, I want you to see your breakthrough in your mind. If you've had a sickness or a pain in your body where you can't move your leg, I want you to see yourself dancing before the Lord. If you've had a pain in your arm or anything, I want you to see yourself lifting up that hand without any pain. If you have not received the gift of the Holy Ghost speaking in other tongues, I, I, after you shout hallelujah, as you shout hallelujah, I want you to see yourself speaking in that heavenly language. But after you shout hallelujah, that should be your last words in English because you just got to let that, those tongues flow. Let those tongues flow. Just let them go. And I'm telling you that God is going to fill you and it's going to be rivers of living water that flow through you. And I'm telling you that chains are going to break. I'm telling you that faith is going to be unlocked. I'm telling you that this is your last day huh, struggling in that situation that you've been in because God is about to loose the breakthrough over this congregation here this morning. If you believe that, everyone shout amen. amen. Woo, I feel the Holy Ghost here. Hold those hands and lift them up to God. When I shout, I want you to shout and let those tongues go. When I shout, I want you to shout and take that declaration of faith. That's it. Hold those hands and lift them up. Jesus, by the authority that is in the word of God and by the power that is in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I release the breakthrough upon First Pentecostal Church of Palm Bay. I release the breakthrough on every individual here. 
I release the power of the Holy Ghost, evidenced by speaking in other tongues. I command them their pain to leave their body. I curse the cancer in their cells. I curse diabetes. I curse the pain in their limbs. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And I loose the gift of faith now in Jesus' name. Hallelujah! That's it, that's it, that's it. That's it, that's it, that's it. Let those tongues go. That's it, that's it. Let those tongues go. Don't stop. I lose the that's it. Let those tongues go. I lose the breakthrough. Let those tongues go. That's it, that's it, that's it. That's it, that's it, that's it. Don't stop. Chains are fun. Let your tongue go, sister. No more English, just tongues. Let those tongues go. That's it, that's it. That's it, I want you to lose the breakthrough in the person next to you. Altar workers, begin to go start laying your hands on people and lose the breakthrough in them. God is filling people with the Holy Ghost right now.